Brothers and sisters, welcome back to the XX Mormon Podcast, uh, the 67th episode. Uh, we welcome you back. It's a it's a beautiful Sabbath morn uh, here in our sacrament meeting. Thank you all for joining us. Of course, up here on the stand with me presiding is the illustrious, the handsome, the stunning, and the gorgeous Bishop Jensen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're you're welcome. I'll be here. I'll be here all week, folks. You'll be here all, be here week. all week. Excellent. Um, if you would like to meet with Bishop, uh, just contact the executive secretary, please, via unmormon at gmail.com. I know it's a weird email to have for the ward. Um, it's very, very strange, but um, I want I want to know if anybody gets tired of the shtick. <laughs> the the fake church the if, fake church if, yeah. if you get tired of the fake church shtick we really only yeah. use it for the opening and closing like we don't yeah uh, but if you get tired of the fake church thing you can email us at unmormon at gmail.com um and tell us how wrong like we downloads are. indicate this is working but we don't actually know so the downloads if, indicate like, something is working the downloads yeah. indicate people continue finding it and continue listening um so that's but maybe you really want this whole right. faux sacrament meeting to end you just like fast forward are you part. getting tired of it bishop bishop i kind of cringe do you but also love it yeah you cringe? It, like it's fun it's become our stick right yeah like we started out we didn't have something and then and then uh and we just kind of haphazardly start the the episodes but then it became we just kind of fell into this pattern of you opening the meeting and it was yeah. just like it was a good way to kick things off and get them started. Yeah. So I, I think it works. I think it's fun. It's I just goofy. wonder if it's goofy and different. And I think it sets the tone for our overall podcast of we don't take this too seriously. This is yes. not Mormon stories. Yeah. Like we're here to laugh. We're here to have a good time. Mormonism was stupid and silly, but we're all born in this stupid, silly thing we didn't understand and. Let's all just start to have some a sense of humor about this. Yep. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And you can mark that off on your XX Mormon podcast bingo card as Bishop Jensen bringing up the fact that we are not Mormon stories and we are <laughs> not <laughs> we are not RFM or Bill Real. Uh, we are here for fun. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you get bingo, please email us at unmormon at gmail .com. Anyways. Today, we're talking about becoming radicalized because, listen, Mormonism Mormonism is kind of weird. Uh, like we talked about last week, I think these three episodes, uh, the Encanto episode, the Catholic episode, and this episode, they kind of all kind of tie together as like this, this discussion of rituals and beliefs and, uh, you know, finding meaning in, in things and, and sometimes projecting that meaning onto things. And, uh, and so those tie in well, you don't, those aren't like prereqs though, but if you want to give us the downloads, go ahead and listen to those. But I think what's, um, what's really interesting is that when we leave Mormonism, a lot of the time we have to find something to fill that hole, especially if, you know, if you were really involved in it, you could be spending well over 20 hours a week involved in the church. Um, and if you, and if you attend a, a church school, it's even more. And so then when you leave, there's like this gaping hole and there's not like a God sized hole, a God shaped hole in your heart necessarily, but there is a hole 
for meeting or community or whatever it is that you personally got out of being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, whatever it is that you got out of that, there's now, there there's a gap. There's something missing and you got to find some way. Maybe that's why you're listening to this podcast because you want to find something to fill that hole. Maybe you think this podcast is going to fill that hole. It will not. This podcast sucks uh, and will not continue on forever. Um, but uh, maybe it's like a temporary sticking, st- stepping stone, oh, a waypoint to better things, as Bishop Jensen so wisely said. Um, there's, there's me quoting you, Bishop Jensen. Does that get me brownie points? I mean, <clears throat> yes. I'm probably the most... Uh, frequently quoted bishop on this podcast (laughs) absolutely you are um yeah so does that make sense is that a decent intro bishop to i think yes yeah yeah so we're we're talking about uh basically so are you becoming radicalized i'm i'm becoming radicalized yeah we're, we're talking about joining a new religion uh, filling in this hole. Now, you might have listened to last week's episode, and now you're thinking like, well, last week's episode was Elder Jackson goes Catholic. Um, well, uh, I'm not becoming a Catholic. Fear not. Um, I'm becoming something much worse. A Pentecost. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I'm becoming an environmentalist. <laughs> uh, uh, a, a crusader for sustainable transportation for trains and buses and cycling and walkable cities and trees and nature. And I say that kind of, you know, uh, facetiously, but it's kind of true. I am becoming a little bit radicalized. I've been sharing a lot of memes with people about mm-hmm. this, uh, uh, about my new belief system. And I've even realized that there are certain key words used within this uh within this cult do you want to hear them bishop go on okay yeah okay so people say you aren't stuck in traffic you are the traffic whenever (laughs) whenever whenever a driver oh which we call them car brains whenever people are like obsessed with uh with driving it's called car brain if oh do you have car Mm -hmm. brain It's that cars have infected your brain and make you think that you need them for freedom and that you need them to get anywhere. Uh, There's also the term orange pill, which comes from the YouTube channel specifically, not just bikes, which, I mean, I highly recommend. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I'm radical. I recommend this YouTube channel. Taking the orange pill is similar to taking the red pill. You wake up and you realize how deep the rabbit hole goes. Mm -hmm. Um so there's there's that and then there's also the words paint isn't infrastructure every time there's a new bike lane but it's just like a line painted on the side of the road (laughs) and they say Mm -hmm. we've improved cycling infrastructure it's like paint is not infrastructure so those are some of the key words and realizing that there are these key words it got my cult detectors activated i'm like beep 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 wait a second there are all these like key words that I'm saying. Like I literally use in conversation with friends. Paint is not infrastructure. Like I'm like I'm repeating these things, and I've I've become a drone. I've become radicalized. So what what do you think, Bishop? What's your what's your prognosis? I have a I have an anecdote. Okay, it's kind of similar. Um, so 
when I was in high school, I dated the same girl all through high school. And once you start getting into a long-term relationship and you get comfortable, you just start kind of, you know, hanging out. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so we would just kind of like hang out on Thursday nights, watch CSI or whatever, watch the newest episode of CSI. We'd go out for dinner, but then I'd have friends at, uh, usually from church and when they're dating, they're doing like, we, uh, we got these cardboard boxes and we put them over <laughs> a shopping cart to make it look like a car. Yeah. And then, and then we pushed each other through the drive through in these shopping carts and it was like really fun. Or we like, um, we put a picnic table in the back of my friend's pickup truck and had a, like had a, a, a date there. I don't know. Everything they're doing was like, weird goofy shit over the top like basically a napoleon dynamite you know kind of escapade and i thought that's what dating should be Mm -hmm. and dating shouldn't be just chilling out go out for dinner watch an episode of csi um and so when i i broke up with that girl kind of before my mission and then i went on my mission and then you get these like talks dating versus hanging out by uh Dallin H. Oaks and House. So it's the propensity of our youth to just hang out. And that's not the same as dating. And so I thought that like to date, you had to go out and do like random shit instead of just like, oh, we go to the movies and we go to the coffee shop and then we talk. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I go out with somebody for a while and you start falling into this kind of like, okay, we've gone out some on some dates, we've had some fun, but now we just want to spend some time together. So we're just like hanging out watching TV. I was like, no. This is all wrong. This is all wrong. I've really screwed it up here. Mm-hmm. And so when you leave the church, it's kind of like, yeah, there's some things about any community that if they're taken too far, it starts to become like a cult or yeah. high demand religion. Right. Yeah. And so it's kind of like the same nervousness I had over, you know, falling into these patterns of hanging out versus dating. It's kind of like when you leave the church and you start getting involved in another community, you're like, Oh my God, this is another cult. Yeah. I'm falling for it again. But really it's like your, your bullshit sensor is just (laughs) a little bit in overdrive and you're feeling a little too sensitive to everything. So you think I'm in overdrive? I'm just saying there might be a tendency just the same way as I was when I was like, Oh, any kind of like just hanging out or getting comfortable in a relationship is a bad sign. And actual dating should be pushing your friends through the drive through and shopping carts and doing something like random and crazy. Yeah. That's what dating should be. And if you're not doing that, then you're not dating properly. Right. Right. So, and so now anytime I get a little comfortable here and we're just watching movies on a Saturday night, Oh my God, I fucked it up. Right. So I was a little too sensitive, hypersensitive. I can. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Um, but I think there are these, um, there, there's like, uh, you know, social cults right there's uh you know like there's echo chambers and right there are echo chambers and like these these systems of belief right like you look at uh the the joke like how do you know if somebody's a vegan well they'll tell Mm -hmm. you right yeah uh how you can say the same thing how do you know if somebody's a fan of elon musk they'll tell Mm -hmm. you how do you know if somebody's invested in crypto they'll tell you yeah right it's like all of these these social social cults um and memes right like it's like an idea that just perpetuates around and around 
I think it indicates that there's a world that's starving for meaning and purpose, right? Hmm. Based on how many evangelists there are for like, oh my God, have you tried keto? No, dude, I'm on paleo. Fuck keto. Yeah, you got to <laughs> eat like raw almonds and just like find a deer in the forest and just bite its neck. And, and, and that's the way you really get in shape. And it's like, oh my God. Okay, right. Right, right. And so... Yeah, but for for me, this has been cycling and stuff, and I know that I'm becoming radicalized. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna get rid of my car. Um, I, I'm gonna, you know, just cycle everywhere, and which is great. Like I, I do think those those are good things, but I do like I have to remind myself, right, um, that that's like that bikes aren't the answer to everything, right, and trains aren't the answer to everything. Uh, and there's kind of this reminder process uh, to make sure that I don't get too too radicalized. Have you? Is there anything post Mormonism that you've gotten into? No, I've been too jaded. You've been too jaded, right? To like get into my, anything. My BS, my BS sensor is in overdrive, and so the only thing that I have gotten into is my work because that pays the bills, right? Right. And so I think in some ways I, but I haven't become an evangelist for my company, but I definitely think as we hire new people, as we bring them in, I've got a strong sense for how our company operates and I make sure I communicate those values. So our company tends to be very entrepreneurial, Mm -hmm. which means it's got a very much like set the goal, set the target and get it done and work with like a lot of tenacity Mm-hmm. to get there, right? Speaking plainly, um, lots of hours without bitching about overtime, kind of those kinds of things are kind of the mentality in an entrepreneurial organization. The Like the upside is, is a lot of freedom. The downside is, is that with a lot of freedom, there's sometimes the organizational side is a little weak. So if you're looking for a strict hierarchy and if you need to know what's my position and what's my title and what's his title, and am I above him or is he above me? That's not really going to work here. If that's what you're really worried about, this isn't the company for you kind of thing. Right. Um, that's the closest I've gotten. But a big part of that is because it pays the bills. Mm-hmm. It pays the bills in a big way. Right. Um, and that in itself is an, like an important meaning for your life, <laughs> for right? Me. Like, yeah you're, yeah, you're like, oh, this matters. This feeds me. But then yeah. when, when we have these other things that bring us meaning, right, that yeah. somehow resolve our concerns, right? I'm a young, I'm a young millennial. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so one of my major concerns is the environment. I'm certain I'm not like a climate. Um, uh, what do they call it when they're uh, alarmist? I'm not an alarmist on mm-hmm. anything really, but it's something that I care about. I also care about my physical health and I care about creating walkable spaces and livable spaces and sustainability, uh, both financially and environmentally. And so then it's easy for me to get into this rabbit hole of radicalization onto this one idea that I'm like, this will solve the world's problems. You want to fix world hunger? Buy a bike. You want to mm-hmm. like uh, solve the climate crisis? buy a bike you want to stop the fossil fuel industry from exploiting uh people in poor countries 
buy a bike. You want to make sure the gap doesn't like, em, you know, employ people in sweatshops and, you know, little villages with little kids sewing your clothes together. Buy a bike, right? We kind mm-hmm. of like get ra- radicalized into this, this echo chamber. But I think like you're talking about being radicalized, but really I think you're just kind of finding a valid cause to be a part of. Exactly. Like, but and I, I do because your bullshit sensors so off the charts. You're like anything that is even remotely close to an ideology is a cult. Right. And right. if I evangelize anything in any way, or if I communicate a value that's important to me, I am becoming a part of a cult when really it's like, no, like you're finding something to be passionate about. Right. Which is good. Right. Right. I think, right. It, I think it is, it is good. Like, and I realize that it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is like, it is, it is in my head that, um, that like, oh no, I like, I have to be more moderate and more, more balanced in my approach. Um, I don't think like there's a cause that I'm starting to feel more strongly about. It's just like the position I'm in. It's not really, it, it would be agitation for no value. Right. Is I think that, I think that in order to sustain capitalism, I think companies need to change they work, the way they work, and I think they need to change it in a big way. I think that profit sharing with employees needs to become mandatory. And I think really? I'm not saying a big yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Interesting. I think that if companies really want to care about their employees in a meaningful way, they'll reserve they'll either, you know, uh, either give stock options. Um, or reserve a pool of profits for profit sharing. I worked at Rona and they had some kind of employee profit sharing program. And I got a $60 check like at the end of the year because we hit our store revenue target or something like that. Hmm. Um, So even though it was a shitty job that I didn't really care about, that check meant something to me. Yeah. And so when people talk about like the exploitation of the middle class and blah, 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 Make everybody a partner in your business. I'm not saying cooperatives. I don't think cooperatives are really the way to go because um, I think that there are leaders in the company that I work for who have the stomach to make harder decisions than I have the stomach for right. to get the results that the company needs. Yeah. And so I think if you start getting too communal, like it just becomes this indecisive kind of, it may become communal for a while, but a, 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 a strong leader will eventually emerge no matter what you do. So you may as well not even bother going with the communal circle. Jerk. <laughs> right. But I think like, that's something that I feel strongly about is that you need to start reserving these pools of equity for your employees and, and make everybody a partner in your business. So they give a shit about the business the same way the owner does. Right. Right. And reward them economically for it that way. And, right. And that's the way to alleviate, you know, everything Mark says about, wage labor and and every argument starts to become about invalidated when you enable your employees to become capitalists right so the like i read the communist manifesto which i don't think i don't i know no capitalists have read it yeah and i would even say a lot of socialists have probably not read it definitely not one clear point that mark makes in it marx makes in it is that when the proletariat when the working class when they take their capital that they receive in the form of wages, they receive it from a, a bourgeoisie and they give it to another bourgeoisie in the form of rent or paying for groceries. They're, 
the proletariat cannot become capitalists themselves. Right. They're just this flow through entity for capital. Right. And so I think the reason why there's a lot more agitation from the working class is that homes have become ridiculously expensive and a home is a way for a proletariat for a working class person to become a capitalist. Right. Because they they're able to invest in a long-term asset, which will eventually when they sell it, you know, they'll realize a gain in the form of capital and, and they'll achieve financial freedom. Um, but because houses are so ridiculously expensive, the proletariat cannot become this kind of entry level capitalist. Mm -hmm. And because homes are so expensive, people can't afford to save for retirement and saving for retirement is the way that you can kind of become a capitalist. The idea being that you save enough for retirement, you can live a portion of your life with, you know, comfortably without having to work. And so if a company does things like an RSP matching program or 401k matching program for our US listeners, and if it distributes some of its profits to its employees, you help them become capitalists. And then this idea of proletariat wage labor just stops being meaningful. Interesting. Okay, so that's your radical that's idea. My, that's what that is, it's it's an idea, an it, embryo, but I'm like I'm right. not in a position in the company I work for to start demanding that or making that change. Right, right. But I think it's an idea that's important. If capitalism is going to continue, it needs to start sharing the wealth with its employees in a meaningful way. Right. Capitalism needs to be a tool in the tool belt, not the entire system. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to talk about this then. So uh, you brought up earlier this need to find meaning and that there is a lack of meaning. So then we find our meaning in being a vegan or a socialist or this, that, or the other thing, right? We find our meaning. Uh, there was there was a meme, a meme I saw. Uh, it's Pride Month, and there was a, a meme of two people walking in a gay pride parade, and then this this person standing there, and he says, "Ugh, disgusting." Maybe I'd have some respect for them if they didn't make it their whole personality. And then it pulls out, <laughs> it zooms out, and you see mm -hmm. this guy leaning on the back of his truck, and it has a fuck Trudeau sticker yeah, yeah, on yeah. his truck. like, And yeah. it just, you know, like we all, no matter what end you are on, we find these things that, that give us meaning. But then post-Mormonism, we have this weird situation where we have bullshit detectors that find any time, any time that a group uses a word more than once, we're like, oh, beep, 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 beep. Like, oh, oh, uh oh, uh oh. Is that dogma I hear? Is that like, is that like a, a phrase? Is that for the in-group? Am I a member now, right? And and we start uh, getting worried about this. But at the same time, we've got this draw to find meaning. And so mm -hmm. then we end up lost in this uh, limbo of meaninglessness that is post-Mormonism. And this might be a discussion for like a whole like a whole podcast series on its own like, um but one thing what one do you think I've, like what do you do what i observe with the ex-mormons is that like basically every quote-unquote liberal cause becomes their new dogma mm -hmm. and i don't know how many of them before it's just like i was a part of something that was homophobic and so now to atone for my time being homophobic, I need to jump into the gay pride parade. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Mormon should continue to be homophobic, but there are things in the gay rights movement, which is now kind of 
become being a gay man is almost like being a cisgendered person. Like Bill Bill Maher uh, talked about this, how there are like no gay men leading the gay pride parade. It's all like trans, you know, transgender right. it people. It has to be like something lesbians. else because you a, can't have a gay man isn't <laughs> marginalized enough. <laughs> enough, right? <laughs> and so there's there's some ideas within that ideology which may not like that ideology is changing, and and maybe some of those ideas aren't as good as what we think they are because it's becoming this echo chamber of try to find the, the, the black transgender disabled lesbian. Right. Right. But I, who, I like trying to find the most, the marginalized, most marginalized subsection and that should be our leader. Right. Right. And, and that's who is the only person who's worthy of rights because nobody has been oppressed as much as the quadriplegic transgender black lesbian. Right. Right. And I think, yeah, I, and that becomes this like Holy grail in the simulacra in this thing that people worship is the ultimate marginalized person. Right. And so I, I think what's important is, is that we, um, when we leave Mormonism that we don't, uh, that we don't get into another religion uh, that we don't like, um, that we don't get so involved with something else that we don't let those ideas um, be talked about and be like discussed and questioned and and stuff, right? Like, because like, I I think yeah. I I think in Mormonism there's this there's this thing where we have our ideas, we have our beliefs, and we're so into um, we are right. Why are you questioning me? Stop questioning me. Um, that we want to leave to something that that can't be questions is this making sense like yeah like we want to find I, something to that's that is no law that can actually stand instead of something that 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 can't and so then we might find something that we feel comfortable with but then we might find some dogma or whatever right like i think the idea i'm trying to get to is it's mm -hmm. very important to be able to continue talking about things right for me it's cycling i think like i think you know having proper cycle infrastructure and having trains and transit and making sure that people live in walk can live in walkable neighborhoods so that they can live their life like um, here's a fair exercise and i asked like i had missionaries bugging me and i they asked me to read a talk and i said i read the talk mm -hmm. i want to know what you think the strongest argument is and what the weakest argument is in that talk. right Right, and they could not; they would not engage because they are not allowed to find the weakest argument in a talk. Right, they're not even allowed to discuss really the strongest argument of the talk because to suggest that there's a strongest argument means that the there's talk, another side. Yeah, and there is no other side. Yeah. So, I mean, if you've grown up in the United States, read the Communist Manifesto, and tell me Marx's strongest argument. Yeah. Because that will work so hard against find his strongest and weakest argument. And that will work so hard against the way you've been raised as an American to even consider that there's a strong argument in the communist manifesto. Yeah. And then to say, so for, for you, for you, if you're feeling like you're getting too radicalized or, or, you know, 
falling for dogma, read some scientific literature and ask yourself, what's the strongest point to reduce cars in cities? And what's the strongest point to keep people in cars? Mm -hmm. Why do cars make sense? Why does the current, what, what is right with the status quo before I become a revolutionary? Nothing is right with the status quo. <laughs> I tell you, nothing but, is right with the status quo. Like, it's all if we're big doing oil. It, if we're doing it this way, if we're e doing it this way, there's EVs, a reason why it works. Electric vehicles, electric cars only exist to save the car industry, not to save the planet. There's some more dogma for you. But it's true. It's true. It's true, though. Am I wrong? Is it true? The, ele the electric car is made to save the car industry, not to save the planet, because all it's doing is transferring the the problem, the, the problem from your neighborhood where you're emitting yeah. gas gasoline fumes to a power to, plant to the lithium mining facilities and so right like all it's doing yeah. it's just moving the problem it's outsourcing the problem to to another another place okay having grown up what do you think about nuclear i'm i'm pro nuclear um, why are you pro nuclear because nobody i don't think anybody understands really how environmentally safe nuclear energy is i understand how environmentally so, safe. just kidding can you explain that no i can't explain i can't explain it like i remember learning about that i took physics in high school and we learned about nuclear reactors and yeah. so it's a con it's a controlled fission reaction yeah right which is when you're splitting atoms yeah and it creates a lot of heat and that heat energy is used to uh boil water and the water spins the turbine. turbine so when you see a nuclear yeah. reactor with smoke coming out of it because like Leonardo DiCaprio and every other environmentalist loves to show <laughs> yeah. nuclear reactors with all this smoke and smog coming out of it. It's actually steam yeah. from spinning the turbines. And so the only challenge with uh, nuclear power is, uh, is disposal of the, the waste, but I believe they're getting better at disposing of the waste. Yeah. So, you know, it's actually a green, green power, but it's been marketed so poorly that yeah. everybody thinks it's like perpetually polluting yeah and really it's it's probably one thing that's reduced our carbon footprint the most yeah yeah so um yeah i think people have gotten an interesting look at our political <clears throat> philosophies and ideals in this in this but i think like if, if that i remember one thing that i was forced to do in english classes in university mm -hmm. english classes was the teacher would give us a topic and like half the class had to argue for it and the other class had to argue against it. So one topic was gay marriage. And if you have to argue academically for why gays should not get married. So if you're put on that side of the classroom, like you are scraping the bottom mm -hmm. of a very small barrel. Yeah. But I did learn about the ac arguments for why gays didn't want to get married. And one of the things was, was that homosexuals have this unique subculture and by getting married, they become cis white people. Right. And that was one of the arguments from gay people for why they didn't think gay marriage was important. Yeah. And now what are we seeing? No gay men leading the gay pride parade. <laughs> right. The thing that they said would happen is happening. They're not marginalized enough. That was it. Is that it, like, if we become married and we become like everybody else, we're not, this unique marginalized group were just regular straight white people. I will also say, I think that you're, uh, for the sake of argument, you're making a bit of a caricature of the LGBT movement. Like I would be interested in seeing how many, you know, what 
how it actually operates. I would too. I'd just say like, this is what I'm, what I'm frantically Googling because my teacher has forced me to academically argue. That's the argument. Him, is yeah. that that was the bottom of the barrel that I could find was this. We don't want to be like everybody else. We want to be our own unique group. Right. It takes away the respect, uniqueness. But we don't want to be like regular picket fence white people. We it's, want like, to be, it's like the cyclists who wear Lycra. They don't want yeah. everybody to cycle because everybody else cycles in their normal street clothes <laughs> and makes it into a normal thing instead of being this cool athletic thing that I do on my way to work <laughs> and then shower when I get to work. Who the F wants to shower when they get to work? What? You. No so, offense, Bishop, if you happen to uh, enjoy wearing Lycra. It, it was a hobby from an earlier time. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, I know um, you're not kidding. Oh yeah. Okay. So I like, I, I, yeah, but I was thankful for that English class where our teacher would like throw out abortion and gay marriage and right. And all those things and force us like this half uh, the classroom has to argue for write an essay for this half of the class has to argue against and the purpose was was to divorce our emotion from the issue and focus on developing a good argument right and finding academic sources to support our our position regardless right. of what the position was um so if you're starting to feel like i'm falling for it again i'm getting sucked in again argue from the other point of view well here's the convenient thing bishop i grew up in mm -hmm. alberta with mm -hmm. which for anybody familiar with Canadian politics and Canadian culture, you'll know Alberta is the is the gassy one, uh, the one that loves causing climate change because who the F cares? Jesus is coming soon anyways. Yeah. And we make lots of money in the process. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and so I feel I'm pretty familiar with the arguments from the other side. But if you made the argument from the other if side, I, I have. Okay. Okay. I, I like I, I did but growing I mean, up. Like, and now I'm converted. I just mean, when you start to feel like you're going too far down the rabbit hole, make go go look at some anti-material. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like what the church tells you not to do. So if somebody in your group starts telling you no, don't read that other thing, then you know you're in a bad spot, right? Yeah. As soon as somebody starts telling you don't read, don't say, don't think. Yeah. Like you and I actually had a very, very interesting conversation and I actually came around to the other point of view. Yep. Um, but it started with, we were talking about sustainability and I said, sustainability is not a Canadian problem. Yep. You've got too much space and too few people where Lots Canada can't make a material change either way when it comes to climate change. Yeah. And you were talking about how um, Canada actually sucks off the resources of other countries living its extravagant lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, but the way we got there was I actually had to say, there's probably <laughs> three countries that are causing a, making a material problem with climate change. We have no problem cutting down forests. Why don't we have a problem cutting down people? Right. If all life is equal. Yeah. What's the difference? That's a very, very uncomfortable thing to say. Yeah. It's a very, very uncomfortable and probably and wrong argument to make. Yeah. But that was our jumping off point. But if I'm afraid to say anything or to think anything, then you never have these kind of interesting conversations. Yeah. 
that where I ended up realizing, hey, as a Canadian, I do enjoy some things that are manufactured in countries that have a lot more lax um, environmental, environmental standards. Yep. And if they had stricter environmental standards, then the things I enjoy would e either not exist or be more expensive. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we live a priv privileged life and basically we outsource our pollution to other countries. Um, mm. Yeah. So look into uh, sustainability. Watch the YouTube channel, not just bikes on YouTube. Take the orange pill and uh, uh, get into some profit sharing in your company um is that's the that's the message of today also yeah watch out for being radicalized and where you find meaning and try and consider all all sides of things and be open to to hearing other sides of things i'm a big fan of bikes i think i think they're fantastic uh, but i also i don't think we should ban cars i don't think we should just do away with all motor vehicles um, especially in Canada where we don't like, we don't have a national rail system or anything. Um, and what if you're a farmer, right? I don't, I don't think we should just ban cars all the time, but sometimes some of the dogma that I see and say, uh, says otherwise. And I want people to know that when I say that, I mean it mostly as a joke. So I like in closing, the great gift you learned leaving the church was to read anti-sources. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so learn always be open from everything to reading yeah. anti-material. Yeah. I Whatever think, your position is. I think that's a wonderful Bishop, uh, a wonderful lesson Bishop. Um, and, uh, yeah. If any, any other thoughts? That's, that is all my child. Well, thank you very much, Bishop. I think this was a great conversation. Hopefully people learn something. Hopefully you don't get radicalized. Uh, and hopefully you uh, take the orange pill. And I guess we uh, will just say these things in the name of Elon Musk, who's a scam artist. Amen. Amen.